This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> so, uh, a hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. I'm pumped for this topic. Been waiting for it. This is one of our big ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, yeah, it, it is something that you think about when you're becoming a Christian. You know, mm. like, oh boy, now I gotta, I gotta wrestle with all this like sexual sin. And it kind of looms large. Well, it also is one of the things that people most associate with Christians, I think, right? Yeah, like I remember I was, in their pants. One of the, yeah, one of my favorite shows, to. kind of in the two thousands, high school years was a show called Drawn Together on Comedy Central. I don't know if you ever saw it, Drawn Together. Really funny. Oh yeah, yeah, filthy. And uh, yeah, filthy absolutely program. disgustingly filthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but one of the characters, the princess, this Disney princess, is like supposed to be like a. She's basically like a conservative Christian stereotype person, and you know her whole thing was always just like how disgusting sex is and stuff like that, right? So, so it's it's like a uh, even though she would be incredibly filthy herself, um, but oh, it's just right, like yeah. one of those things where it is kind of the stereotype. That's one of our one of the things we're known for, sex or lack thereof. Yeah, exa exactly. There's like that stereotype of like the uh, uh, Catholic schoolgirl that's like like people are like, oh, they're always the filthiest. <laughs> <laughs> which which is which is not not the case. Um, <laughs> you went to Catholic school, you know. Yeah, so. uh, not not the case. I mean, n no one was really trying to fuck me in high school so I, it didn't really <laughs> make a difference either way but <clears throat> anyway <laughs> yeah um you know what let's not get too far ahead of ourselves yeah though, yeah because uh it's time to take a stroll down banter avenue <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter So Lent is upon us. Yeah, whatever that's supposed to mean. Papists everywhere are talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I can be caught in absolute hypocrisy because as, as angry as I can be, or not angry, but it's as as whatever um, unenthusiastic as I can be for Lent, I I still have to participate in it because of my job. So I did an Ash Wednesday service, and this whole time people are coming up, <laughs> and I'm putting this pagan nonsense on their heads. And wait, so um, hold on, you, know. well, you Presbyterian Church, you have to participate in Ash Wednesday. No, I mean you don't have to do anything, but like lots. I was of churches, gonna, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. yeah actually, it's a stupid yeah, question. Lots, because... Yeah, lots of churches though do celebrate Ash Wednesday, um, and my church does, and so we partner up with some other churches in the area and do like an ecumenical. Ash bullshit nordic pagan bullshit <laughs> for the record <laughs> is that where, where we put it would we I, I feel like it probably has to be southern european that's that's my the ash my thing take. yeah i thought that was a nordic thing Erlon i mean son i mean uh i mean the idea of it I, like no i mean 
you put you put at you dump yourself in ashes in the Bible, right? When you're mourning. So it's like it's a biblical thing, but the idea of like putting the cross on the head and stuff, I don't know where all that right. Well, you know, as the Bible teaches us, whenever you're in a period of fasting, it's really important to display it so the whole public can see. (laughs) Right. Right, Right, George? Yes, I I know. I know. I remember Jesus saying that very clearly in Matthew. He's all about public showing of faith and and really contorting your your face and making it look like you're you're sad or whatever. But but yeah, we I did I did Ash Wednesday like a total hypocrite and uh and I mean, it's fine. I'm. I don't. But I don't. I think you know this about me. But other people, I don't do anything special for Lent, so I don't give up right anything or whatever. Well, George, <laughs> these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, right. but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Can you name that scriptural quote? <laughs> Off the top of my head, starts no. with a C. Oh, Corinthians. Uh, Corinthians. Close. C-O-L. Colossians. There we go. 220. Yeah. Sound like Paul. Makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, there you go. It does, it does really – does. you can tell Paul so easy, dude. <laughs> Whenever Paul's it's just great. like brutal, brutal to the point <laughs> and condemnatory, it's probably yeah. Paul. Um, yeah, so I – okay, so I had this whole plan to like give up alcohol for Lent. Okay. So I was like, yeah, it'd be nice to do a little detox, whatever. Sure. Um, and then the next day, I get my blood panel report back. And Dr. Patel, love this dude. Um, he's from India, but like he, he did all of his study in, in London. So he's kind of like a mixed accent. English, British, English, Indian. Yeah. 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 He's like, Cole, your, your levels, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're very bad. I was like, oh, really? He's like, Yes, you have the um, you have the liver of an older gentleman who <laughs> has been drinking quite a lot. This is yeah. So so like <laughs> he roasted me, and the worst part is, is like this is John, and he'll be doing. He's a, a, actually a student, and he'll be doing uh, some research with us. So John will be here as well. Uh, John, take a seat. Cole, you have been drinking far too much, and <laughs> it just dresses me down, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. And he shows me my levels and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, like, I've already, like, given it up for Lent. So, <laughs> which right. he didn't believe. Yeah. Right? And then he asked me a bunch of questions that I found out from my social worker sister are questions that you ask someone if you think that they're a repeat drug user or oh. alcoholic. So, right after this, he goes... So, have you ever been diagnosed with hepatitis? I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and have you had any access to different different needles? Or I'm like, I mean, yeah, I got my COVID shot. He's like, no, not that, not that. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you ever injected yourself? Uh, I'm like, no, like I've never done. You know, he's like, look, uh, this is not a police inquiry. <laughs> I'm your medical doctor and I'm here to help you. I'm like, Dr. Patel, Dr. Patel, I've never injected myself with any drugs. He's like, ah, I see, I see. Look, this is not a courtroom. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I do not do and have never done heroin or cannabis. And he insists, like, he did not believe me. And then he's like, 
you know and then i'm like oh, would it help if i like admitted that like i did blow in college like i don't know what to tell you dude like would that, <laughs> would that help if i like come clean on that like do you want me to co- like confess any other like sins of drug use that like don't have to do with shooting up like like right. for you to believe that you know so of course like he insists on me getting it like an immediate hepatitis test which shocker is negative right you know? and then um yeah yeah and then you know it came up later like about you know um he's asking me about okay is your hpv shot like up for up to date and i was like no actually like i'm, I'm celibate <laughs> And he looks at me and, and I'm like, which you don't believe either. So I don't know why ask me these questions about, you know. If you're not going to want the answer. Yeah. So that's, right, that's cool. And this whole time I've got this like medical student in the corner, like taking notes. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy writing down? You know, this isn't even a doctor. This is just some asshole from UNC Charlotte, you know, posting up, you know. Anyway, it was. Yeah, it's all right. My doctor didn't buy that either when I said the HPV shot. I was like, and she was like, uh, do you want the HPV shot? I'm like, well, no, you know, I don't think it's effective for me, you know, in the sense of like, <laughs> I'm not sleeping around with anyone, a lot of people or whatever. And she went, yeah, but you never know. Your future partner might have it. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, I guess. And she also, you know what? She also had an intern there with her. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be careful for that yeah so i i have just the looking HPV. at you looking shot. at you like past your medical chart just like you oh, know these hoes be crazy nowadays <laughs> right. well with the tinder you know <laughs> you don't know how many dicks have gone through your fiance before you, you get in <laughs> is this course thank you doctor awesome <laughs> yeah. awesome medical treatment here yeah so uh, <laughs> so yes uh but i i do have my hpv vaccine so. Yeah, as do I. Oh, the best part, they gave me three vaccines at once because I've been abroad for so long. I'm like out of date with like tetanus, HPV, and like oh, yeah. meningococcal or whatever. whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, meningococcus. And so I had like a, you know, intense boxing workout planned for right that like afternoon. And then they shoot me up with, they're like, you're going to experience some significant arm pain. I'm like, Great. Glad yeah. I prepaid for this class. <laughs> so, yeah. like, which one would you like two shots in? I'm like, does it matter? They're like, I guess not. Okay. They're like, well, this shot hurts a lot more than the other two. And so I'm like, so one of the shots hurts less. And so I'm, ha- but I'm having two. And then the other one hurts more. And it's so. They're like, yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter, does it? (laughs) Is this? (laughs) I love medicine. Yeah. It's great. Shout out Piedmont Healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, no, I I, I do love Dr. Patel, though. He's the man. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, well, that's that's the care for the body. But let's let's talk about the care for the soul. How about that? How about we how about we do a little bit of a deep dive today? Oh, dare we? Well, we've dare got we. quite the deep topic, so buckle up, strap yourselves in, and here we go. George's Deep Dive. It's so deep! Oh, it is so deep. And today <laughs> we're talking about what it's like being smoking hot and celibate. Yeah. Oof. Hot topic. Yeah. George, and you've been you've been celibate your whole life. Yes. Yeah. No yeah. idea how to please a woman. No idea. No clue. No. 
I, I'm scared, honestly. That's partly why I never want to get married, because I'm just so terrified. It is it is scary. Me. It is terrifying. Yeah, yeah just uh, absolutely horrendously scary. Yeah, I mean, women, you know, um, women are terrifying in, in just an ordinary context. Right. So, sexually, <sighs> oof. Yeah. Yeah. But... We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, or we won't. You know. Or we will never will. <laughs> we never will. Um, but uh, yeah, just to uh, just to move into this topic a little bit is uh, we have a uh, special one for all of you tonight, um, or whenever you listen to this, I guess. Is that this is like like I said, the thing that most people associate with Christianity because it seems like in many respects, especially politically and stuff right like that the church is obsessed with sex at least the united states uh church um like you know about what sex is okay what sex is not okay and as we've talked about the stereotypes with all that type of stuff and of course yeah you have the common thing where it's like the pastor who is always preaching against it gets caught in some like airport bathroom or whatever um yeah with like <laughs> six, six dudes <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah so like there's a I lot of tripped hypocrisy. and they fell i swear <laughs> right yeah there's a lot of hypocrisy in it or like jerry falwell jr like two years ago or whatever where it turns out that he and his wife were like soliciting an italian pool boy to <laughs> yeah. to like cuck oh, him yeah that was that was brutal <laughs> yeah. so so you know it's a lot but but the reason that like that story's reported on at all right is because Jerry Falwell Jr. is like a head of this very conservative um, Liberty University, Christian organization, politically engaged, that type of thing, right? And so there's deep hypocrisy there because, of course, you know, they'll rant and rave about all sorts of sexual things and then uh, be caught in the same act or whatever. And I think that maybe the first important step on this journey is like that no Christian, no person is free from sexual sin, uh, regardless if you've you know you sleep with other people or not uh there is no one who actually has been completely chased or perfect in any any sort of way and i think that that is one of the things that no one fails to mention they're basically like you know if you're married and there's nothing wrong you're fine and before that if you didn't do anything you're fine and stuff like that but that's actually not really the case and i think anyone who's serious with themselves knows that so yeah i mean uh i'm sure you have a lot of like scripture prepared for this but uh i always go straight to like what christ said in the sermon on the mount where he like updates the law on adultery right yep yeah 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 he uh he points out that you know even if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes you've committed adultery right so Mm -hmm. with that it's like you know and it, it there's all sorts of topic you can have on that and that isn't necessarily that isn't talking about sexual attraction but it's like have you ever, if you ever even seen someone else as a sex object or something to be used for your pleasure, that's that's committing adultery, right? Um, yeah, and that can like fall all the Jersey sorts. Italians that catcall people in Newark. Yes, well, that's me. Yeah, I'm not Italian, <laughs> but you know, if you're in Jersey, that's basically what you become anyway. Oh, look at so. get a load of this one. Hey, Gabagool, look at her. Yeah, look, and no one exclaims Gabagool. Okay, Gabagool. Is- <laughs> It's cold sliced meat that you serve when you got your boys over. Cole, you've been over. away too long. You you clearly have already no forgotten all about Jersey culture. 
For anyone unaware, Gabagool is is how New Jersey Italians insist on saying capicola, which is uh, <laughs> a cured, uh, basically like a cold cut, pretty yeah. much, of meat. Um, no, but they'll be like, oh, look at all of this when I drink a bath water. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's no good. <laughs> No, yeah. Yeah, no. yelling, I drink her bath water. Yeah. Loud it's enough not so good. that the woman and uh, all of your slick backed hair friends can, can hear is also a form of sexual sin, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, you know, the, the first thing is, is that, you know, no one is perfect. Um, and that's important to remember. Um, but, like, I guess the thing is, and, and the other problem with celibacy, especially within the, the Protestant church, right? This idea that like we should, you know, people should want to be celibate and stuff is that Protestants have no celibate teachings, really. Like I point this out all the time, but at my age, 28, like it's fine if I'm a single pastor. Like, you know, everyone wants to set you up with someone basically is, is how it works when you're my age. But as soon as you hit like ball. 30 and 35 everyone like thinks if you're a single pastor within protestant circles thinks like you're creepy or weird like like why haven't you gotten married yet? yeah like that he's fucking the kids right exactly that's exactly what they'll think right <laughs> they'll think that that's that i'm some sort of pedophile or something yeah and so uh and so there and they so there's no place for celibacy in in protestantism really i mean there there is and of course like you know, there are people like me who are, you know, very, very big into like promoting it and getting people to realize that singleness is important, which we're going to talk about in this podcast. But like there like part of the problem with it is that like it forces people down this binary of being uh, getting married as soon as possible uh, in mm-hmm. order to or the only way that you can escape like any sort of sexual urges or anything you have is to get married as soon as possible and all that type of stuff. And it just isn't very helpful. Um, right. And it, you know, and it, it also glosses over some of the really difficult teachings about it in the Bible. So that's, that's a part of it. But, but Cole, why is celibacy so difficult as someone who is, you know, <laughs> like, why is it, why are you so excited to talk about this besides the fact that sex sells? Uh, it's not necessarily difficult. It's difficult if, look, okay, I'm not a bad-looking guy. Yeah, you're smoking hot. <laughs> That's why we called it this. No, no, honestly, it was a lot easier in high school. Well, you, know? <laughs> you, th- you say, all right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd be wise at heart because uh, – um, I mean, <laughs> how do I even answer this? <laughs> well, George, there's something called lust. <laughs> uh, lust. That, uh, yeah. Um, I don't think I need to explain why it's hard to, to not go around banging women. Do, do, do I? <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> you know what? Any man listening. Actually, should we explain like to women what? It is like uh, to experience lust as a man because that might be valuable. All right. Well, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. Because I don't need to explain to men how it's like hard to struggle with urges of lust, right? Sure. So, okay. 
women I read this great article by uh, a woman who's uh, a trans, I suppose, a trans man. There's okay. a woman, just, uh, a, I'm going to like butcher the language however I do this, but don't, okay, don't I'm trying to be as canceled, respectful please. as possible. Don't get us canceled. But have, it was it's essentially, so it's a story about transitioning from female to male. Okay. And what it was like being on these like uh, sex hormones, right? Gotcha. And the so this testosterone tra- in this case. Yeah, yeah, testosterone. On testosterone tree is transitioning to from female to male. And so this this transgender man was describing it. And he was saying, like, well, when I was living as a woman, I- I'd sort of like look at this girl on the subway and be like, Oh wow, like look, look at her. Like she looks so like captivated by like, like that book. Like, I wonder what that book is she's reading. And I wonder what her apartment looks like. And then once the like ma- like the testosterone kicked in, and he was going on like these testosterone treatments, he's like then I'd look at that similar like a similar girl on a subway and just be like, "Sex, pussy, sex, sex." <laughs> like you know, like oh, look at her body, and like and like increasingly like vulgar thoughts. And this trans man was, at the time was thinking like whoa like this is what it is like to be under like the influence of testosterone right and so i mean i think that men like give ourselves too much of a free pass when it comes to this because like oh that's yeah. being a guy uh, yeah i'm picking on my italian heritage way too much on this show and I'm, right but it just is yeah. i should like do a different like yeah as if like the latino community doesn't have this right oh you know gosh. like as if italians are alone in this right <laughs> like 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 latino americans aren't like saying like also catcalling people you know um the black community of course doesn't have anything of the sort gosh they would never catcall a woman so um yeah that that's you know that's a whole other that's all other thing they they don't engage in this Praise be to God. But, you know, no, like men in, in, in every culture in the world do this. They're like, oh, boys will be boys, you know? Right, right, right. And, and I think men, like, we let ourselves off the hook. And it's because, yeah, as a man, you do have this really intense pull towards lusting after women. Well, as a straight man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think we let ourselves off the hook, and that's not fair. But, yeah, also it is a reality. Um so I, I think that's like something that we should like keep in mind that okay, men experience lust a little bit differently than women. It doesn't mean that women don't. Women absolutely do. It's just within a different sort of context. And I think like the, the hormones are irrelevant here and, and the way that the hormones affect your brain and your thinking around around issues of, of sex and it, it plays a big role. Uh, but why did I want this topic to come up? I think um because I love the unexpected, you know, I, I love it when I can sort of like explain an experience that I've had that totally flipped my sociocultural expectations around. Because I thought that celibate life would just be this noble act of suffering for God, mm-hmm. right? And that it would just suck and it'd just be about denying myself pleasure to make God happy. And it would just be this big shitty thing, mm. but it's actually been awesome. 
I'm actually a really big fan of it. <laughs> which is really weird. Yeah. To me. Well, maybe we can maybe we can talk about how that how that is, but um, but I would think like this is something that should be noted is very like there's only one other religion that I can think of that has a place for celibacy in it uh, of major re- world religions, and that is I guess a little bit of Hinduism, very much dependent on tradition though, but Buddhism has a place for this and Christianity mm-hmm. and Christianity and they're different. They're actually different reasons you do it, right? Uh, for the two, but so we'll just focus on on Christianity. And it, it, the thing to note is like how it's you know we find it strange today that that's like a, a thing that is is sought after or required. Um, and it would have been even even more weird back at the time that it, this was that Christianity was was founded because like. One of the things that, that is so strange about Jesus, right, even if, if you don't believe he's the son of God, right, even if you just look at him as a person, for the culture that he was in at the time was him being a celibate man. Uh, and Jesus was probably in his early 30s by the time of his ministry. That's at least what people – that most scholars believe is he was around his early 30s based on the way that he talks and is talked to in the Bible, how people react. And so like – that would have been weird because in the culture at the time, both Roman and Jewish and Greek culture, all cultures, you were expected to be married by that time and having children because, you know, lots of people died. So you had to have new children to make them up. And of course, in the Old Testament, there's a command. It's one of the first commands God gives people is to be fruitful and multiply. And so to take a stance against that or to not engage in that would have been very strange and very weird. And that is one of the things that kind of is weird about Christianity um, and how, like, family is rewritten, right, in, in light of that. And, uh, and so it's actually very important kind of at the core of, of the Christian faith of, of this idea of, of not having sex. Um, and, you know, it's never a requirement. We're going to talk about that. But it is certainly something that is praised and kind of uh, held up as being the ideal. Um, right. Yeah, which is that just is. the opposite of our society. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Fallen world. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, of course, like, you know, pleasure is – we like pleasure and, to, to, to you know, part, part of deny is denying pleasure. But it's usually not the – it's not actually the main reason that um, that is given for, for why it is. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, then, then what? Is, so you've alluded to like that not being the main reason. Then what is the main reason? Yeah. So um, that we'll we'll go to First Corinthians for that. So Paul in First Corinthians is writing to the church in Corinth, and in the church of Corinth, there's like um, been problems going on with sexual immorality and stuff like that. And Paul is also writing response to the people in Corinth. And so uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, he's writing to them. He says, now for the matters you wrote about, and he quotes them, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So some teaching at the church is saying that men shouldn't be having sex with women, right? In general, you shouldn't have be having sex at all. Um, and the problem at this church is that other people like are, you know, are doing things sexually outside of marriage and they're bad. Uh and so Paul writes back to this and he says, but, you know, you, you say that men shouldn't have sex with women, but s- sexual immorality is occurring, right? And each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. 
Um, and then he talks about how they have to fulfill their marital duties to each other, how they mm. don't have authority over their own bodies, but their spouse has authority over their own bodies. And if you don't want to have sex, then it has to be consensual between the two of you. Um, and uh, and so he says – and he says this, right? He says that you can engage in sex within marriage as a concession and not as a command, right? And then he said, has this really famous line, seven, says, seven, and he says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has his this gift and another has that. And now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better for them to marry than to burn with passion. Mm. So he he says there, really interestingly, uh, uh, is that, you know, this is a, a, you know, you should be married. You should have sex with the person you're married with. That's great. But really, uh, you know, I as this is a concession because the best ideal life for a Christian is to be as Paul is, which is unmarried, right? Um, yeah, and, and yeah. not having to to be married, and the reason that is is given right is that you know the, the, this is something that frees you up to work for the church more, right? So there's this idea that you know if you aren't tied down, you're able to do more for for God's kingdom. So I I think that that's kind of the reason that's given, and it's also done in imitation of Jesus who was unmarried, um, and right, so that's right. that's actually if you ask the Catholic Church. When they talk about their, you know, un- unmarried clergy, the rule that the cor- all the clergy has to be celibate, it's done in reference to Jesus, um, because Jesus was celibate, uh, and so that's that kind of I would say that takes it to the other extreme away from Protestantism, where Protestantism has like no place for celibate people, and uh, ca- Catholics make it a requirement, like a command, not like Paul does, um, and then I actually think, and you know, this is. This is going to kill me deep down, but I think the Orthodox have this figured out the best. Um, at least the Eastern Orthodox, as far as I know, the way it works is you can be married as a priest as long as you're married before you're ordained. Um, yeah. But you can never become a bishop or anything. You're kind of stuck at normal priest level. But exactly. if you're celibate and you become a priest, then you can become a bishop and eventually, you know, whatever, however it's decided, a patriarch or something like that. And I actually yeah. think that that might be the best balance is it, is it shows the reward that celibacy is given kind of like in terms of giving time and, and having your time to devote to the church where you can take on these leadership positions while not making it a requirement for, for everyone. So. Right. Like I can say that's exactly how it works in the Armenian apostolic church as well. So right. Um, they, there's always this like scramble to like quick get married before you become a priest. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you're locked in. <laughs> you're locked in so there's a lot of i've seen like like when uh our friends uh eric troy and, and clay visited armenia they noticed this like deacon like i guess like spitting game on this chick mm. and they were like oh, they're like pointing and stammering like, oh look like we caught this deacon like, right macking on this he's he's clearly dude he's clearly gonna ask that girl out and i was like yeah he yeah he probably is and they were like oh what i'm like yeah and that's that's kind of okay right guy like that's kind of by design right he's like yeah um she knows what's going on he knows what's going on like it's no no one's hiding the football here right um so yeah i I think that is a really clever way of working out i think it is there is something weird about being a single yet not celibate leader of a church 
Like, there is weirdness that comes along with that. Like, and what do you mean by not celibate, I guess? Well, because, like, like, you're on the like market. Uh, like, in the sense of, like, you, know? you have... So, you're you're defining celibacy, interestingly. So, you're saying, like, this commitment to remain single for life is celibacy. Sorry, sorry. yeah. It is It is tricky with the, the nomenclature here, but, I mean, right. there's a good reason why, like, the Orthodox churches don't allow like up the, the idea of like a single and ready to mingle priest to exist right because there is just if if you're going to be like a leader of a church there is potential awkwardness that comes up with i mean you know we talked about on when we talked about uh the wesley and the the sorry the wesley the wesley brothers right and one of them like you know john wesley yeah yeah john wesley like you know hit on this Tried girl to, in his yeah. church and didn't go so well (laughs) yeah he was like well then you can't have communion right um like i so i i i do i also have a lot of respect for like the orthodox uh sure you know doctrine on this on this issue um not that i'm just some orthodox bootlicker (laughs) yes but yeah uh so no but i i think like as someone who's who's started dating as a celibate person uh i thought that it would be like oh man i'm just always going to want to have sex with the, with the people i'm dating and like it's going to be this huge struggle but that hasn't been the case at all mm. and i think like taking sex off the table entirely just sort of like brings the anxiety level in the relationship like way down as far as I'm concerned. And it's just like one less thing to deal with. Mm. Right. Not that like sex is this like huge negative and like a problem, but it's just like, it, it is a potential source of problems and it is another area that you have to like, grow into as a couple sure right so it's just sort sort of like um it's almost like having a a pet (laughs) yeah never i've never heard of that that relation before (laughs) this is probably pretty stupid (laughs) welcome to cool kids bible study look um i'm the fun half of the show so yeah. I have to introduce these. These are, but it's kind of like okay, you have like a pet. Celibacy right? is like a pet. All right. You no have a pet. No sex is like a pet. Sex is like a pet. I'm sorry. okay. So you have this relationship, right? Right. And you're like, okay, you're dating. You're trying to get to know each other. You're trying to assess, like, are we compatible? Like, do we have like the same kind of values, or where do we clash? And is it a good clash that like creates? animated conversation or is it a bad clash that leaves a sour taste in our mouths like Mm. you're like okay like what kind of restaurants does she like you know what kind of a date do i plan like all this kind of stuff you're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out you know um and like so all that stuff's going on and then let like it's like okay then you adopt a puppy together and then it's like oh well, okay, with all that other stuff, now I got to, like, worry about this puppy, and we got to, like, make sure the puppy is happy, and everything's going well, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 like, 
healthy and it's a positive part of our relationship because if things go badly with the puppy then that's going to be like a huge negative impact on our relationship that's going to fuck things up because that's that's a huge like source of potential conflict right so can be a really great thing can strengthen the relationship adopting a puppy can fuck things up but the fact that there's always a potential for that to fuck things up adds an extra layer of tension and anxiety right right because even if you have like great sex with your partner like there's a question of like okay but uh is it equally great for both of us or like how often is it happening or is it happening like too often for one person not often enough for the other or vice versa or like you know is it getting like repetitive or is it not or it's a like just a a potential like minefield for for problems so it's like when i'm getting to know someone through dating to just have that off the table until marriage there are like a lot of benefits to that just practically speaking Mm -hmm. um and yeah i did not see that coming at all i thought it would just be like this horrible struggle that i just hated every every second of but uh it's really not been that way yeah and i mean i mean for some people it might be you know i don't know like everyone's different and stuff like that but i think like and and the, the thing that makes it you know kind of even if you're struggling with it or whatever, even if there are practical benefits, I think the thing that ultimately kind of needs to be said, and this is kind of the, the rub, the difficulty of it, is that this is like a teaching that we have as Christians, right? We can't just say like, well, you know, that was for a different time, a different place or whatever. It's like, no, this is mm-hmm. like something that that is definitely something that is taught and expected. And even if it's very difficult, Right. And there, yeah. there are all sorts of there are all sorts of situations. And I'm sure many, you know, if any church leaders, pastors are listening to this in in our own ministries where we've run into stuff like involving this. And it's not just, you know, maybe like some hot button issue, but all sorts of all sorts of things like. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, it's like it's a, it could be an old uh, <laughs> it could be one of the old ladies at your church who uh, has a gentleman caller or whatever. Um, because you all know, we all know what happens at those retirement homes. We all know that mm. that's, that's a Satan's haven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a but lot like, of sucking and fucking. <laughs> God. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, it's uh, literally why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's like, how do you, uh. You know, you, you deal with that, and, and it's it's just something these things come up, right? And the yeah. standard is for Christians is that sex is inappropriate. Well, at, at that age, things don't come up without well, medical intervention. No, but. wonderful, thank you, Cole. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. It's an erection um, joke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> you should go to Vegas. Um, but but it, I think like something we need to realize is that like even people in the Bible realize this is a difficult teaching. So like. The other part, and this is where it comes after, like, living for the church or living for the kingdom of God, is Jesus is teaching about divorce in Matthew 19. And mm-hmm. um, and people come to him, Pharisees come to him, and they ask if it's, if it's lawful for people to divorce his divorce their wives for any reason, which was actually the, the teaching at the time. Um, that he, like, uh, there's a famous rabbi at the time who says that even, even if your wife uh, cooks bad, you can divorce her and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and so – um, and so they're asking Jesus that, right? And uh, so Jesus responds. He says, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. 
but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. And so his disciples say, they say, if this situation between a, is just between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, right, this idea that you shouldn't marry, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, there you have a, a clear teaching from Jesus that says, you know, it is better not to marry, but not everyone can accept that. And only some people can do that if it's been given. And that's why Paul actually refers to it as a gift. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's this, it's difficult when you have that, it's like, you know, there are practical benefits that certainly come from it and other things. But at the end of the day, even if you don't feel any of those practical benefits, the difficulty is, is this is the standard that Jesus and other people, the church set. Right. For and it's followers. a very clear standard, which is why right. one of my pet peeves in the Christian world is these Christians that are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we abstained until marriage. I'm like, okay. That's cool. And they're like, but we did like everything else. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this a few times. Right? And I'm like, what, what do you, you and then they just kind of let your imagination wander. And I'm like, so you think that 69ing each other is just fine? Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have oral sex, there's no, am, am I correct in saying, George, that there's no scriptural difference between. No, there is not. Committing adultery via oral sex and yeah. like no, it's not like it depends what your definition of is is <laughs> or whatever, right? No, yeah. there is none, right? The, the idea, and this is why I started out by talking about sexual immorality, just kind of mm -hmm. generally, because it doesn't actually have to do with like th that with any sort. Like you can get out of it as long as it's not vaginal sex or you're not inserting right. it into an orifice or something, right? And it's like no, it's like there's all sorts of ways that you're you, people can be not celibate. Um, or work yeah. against that and i think like the reason that people don't take the church seriously and i think this is rightly is because mm -hmm. the church has proven kind of again and again that it isn't consistent on on these issues right i know tons of churches that tolerate people who live together before they get married uh right, and, right. and don't do anything about that but then like you know someone goes yo i'm gay or whatever and they go whoa that's that's <laughs> ridiculous right right and, it's, and so there's all sorts of and so the, the the thing is is the bible has christians and churches may be inconsistent and hypocritical but the bible has a very consistent standard when it comes to sex and that's it outside of marriage it's not a, it's not acceptable so yeah 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 there you go there you have it so um, um i mean if, if you guys what are a fun way be, to end <laughs> but i, I mean to, to my, my when people say that to me right. my response is always like you might as well have fucked her I don't know, dude. Like you're an idiot. You're idiots, right? So you think there's something special, but they're like, "Yo, we waited." I'm like, "They fucking didn't." You're no. an idiot. Yeah. Okay. It's great because I have friends listening who have made this argument to me. So they're well, gonna hear this. I can tell you from a pastoral perspective that that is idiotic. Yeah, and, I'm like, dude. I've and been generations doing this. of church fathers are laughing at you. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, I've been doing this Christian thing for like not so long, and I figured this out. Uh, and I mean, it's, I figured it out pretty easy because it's written right there in, in, in the book, you know, <laughs> and it's not buried in some like, you know, esoteric chapter of a, right. you know, 
the book that we don't really read that much. You know, it's not like a prophecy of Ezekiel. You know, it, Jesus said it. So <laughs> you should probably have figured this one out, right? Right. Um, yeah. So so that that's yeah yeah. I, I love to end on a note where I'm just condemning others. That's that's my favorite. That's what's um, all about. And you know what? I'd love to keep condemning others all night, but it's time for questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's, I got A's. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Okay, here we go, questions. <laughs> um, George, we got a couple good ones today. All right, I'm excited. Uh, first one. one. Okay. I like this one. Eric says, Dear Cool Kids, what's your approach to memorizing scripture? keen to see how much value you place in memorizing passages and how you go about it loving the show keep up the good work mm. yeah uh i'm terrible at scripture memorization absolutely garbage i've, uh, I've watched you cock up the lord's prayer yeah many times <laughs> i can't even do the lord's prayer and the lord's prayer is something that i've been taught since i was a child and done in every pre like service ever and so I, I, I'm free to admit this. I admit this to people at church. I write it down in my, in my bulletin so I can read it in case I forget it. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing funnier you know, than you know watching up. You know what's even better is when in my private life, I pray it all the time and never mess it up. But it's something about leading at the front of the church that I just go blank. And I actually blame one of the guys at my church because it was fine until the pandemic. And then I started messing up because he was recording me. So... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, I struggle with any type of memorization. Um, well, not unless I like really, really do something strange or I can only Man, remember if you it get performance anxiety so reading scripture to a room of a dozen elderly people, just mm. wait till you start having sex. <laughs> I'm not reading it. I'm trying to recite <laughs> it from memory. I want to be clear. And I also read scripture very well. It's one of my talents. Yeah, but um, you use modern pronunciation for your Greek, which is heretical. I know, but it's funny, and I like it. Sounds better. I'm just gonna be honest. It does sound better. Um. I, I, so. Uh, so. I and just another funny anecdote about scripture memorization is Korean churches go hard, just in general, but especially in scripture memorization. And I remember one of the guys at my seminary told me that they used to take them out into the woods, like for youth group nights, and like the youth leaders would like hide in the woods and like jump out and scare them. And ask them to memorize, <laughs> ask them to recite back scripture that they had memorized. And like, if they didn't, they had to stay in the woods. And it's <laughs> so love, you could do I that, Rick. Korean. You could do that. You could just go out into the woods and have people jump out and scare you. Um, I don't know. For for me, when it comes to it, um, I think the point of scripture and memorization is is twofold. One. It's to have the word of God on you and, and kind of have it in your heart, right? To understand what it's actually saying. It's not just to to blindly kind of recite it and just can, to know it. You actually want to understand it. Um, and so that's kind of the purpose that it's supposed to have at heart, you know? Because if we don't do that, it doesn't make us that much different than other religions that like, you know, like uh, will memorize certain prayers in other languages, even though they don't understand what they mean. And believe that that confers some sort of holiness or meaning or whatever, right? Like it'd be like if we memorized the Lord's Prayer in Greek, like it would might be cool to do that, but like that's not actually the the reason to to, to know it, right? Um, 
so I would say that, you know, it's, it's to have it written on your heart. And as far as, um, as far as the things that work for me, I, I have to write things down. If I want to memorize it, I have to like, I'm the type of guy that has to say it out loud and then write it down. And that for me, Mm -hmm. that is with language that's with, um, all sorts of things. So I memorized the first 50 questions of the Westminster catechism doing that. So that's Mm, what I recommend. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so, so memorizing scripture is awesome, but my, my, uh, I'm referencing some notes I took on this earlier, but, um, as a first step, like find a passage that you find really speaks to you and then like start to paraphrase it into your own voice and your own parlance, Mm. right? So that you're getting the ideas cemented into your own head in your own words right so you do this as a first step i'm not promoting like just paraphrasing the whole bible for yourself because it's dangerous right this is going somewhere don't freak out cole's an actor he's a thespian i'm sure this is coming from his memorization of lines right cole no 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 this is about forming cognitive pathways between ideas no i know know. okay i'm going somewhere with this 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 is this is a, a method shout out methodists uh <laughs> so you paraphrase it into your own words and parlance and you really try to understand what is being communicated within that passage of scripture right that's step one then you start applying that passage and its ideas to things that you have experienced so if it's a lesson think about times when you could have used that lesson or when that lesson was demonstrated to you during your life okay mm-hmm. so this will ingrain the message because you're sort of like engaging the part of your the problem solving part of your brain that has kind of evolved to like connect solutions with problems so this will this is helps grain memory because you're showing utility to your to your mind that this this idea has utility uh and then what you're going to do is you're going to to try to apply that passage and its teaching to scenarios that you encounter across the next few days and you're going to make a note to yourself wherever you take notes to do so okay so that that way when this pops up boom here's an example where i could have applied uh uh, love thy neighbor right Mm -hmm. as a concept just to take an easy one that we've covered so from there once you've done all that work then you revisit the text and you memorize the actual words they're like 80 percent of your work is done because it's been on your mind the message the the important part has been on your mind for so long now when you reread it it's going to be a lot stickier in your head and you'll be able to quote it because you're you're not just reading mere words you've associated those words with a, a meaning you've taken that meaning and you've contextualized it you've taken that contextualized meaning and you've applied it to your own life in a problem solving capacity mm. so that is is how you you're essentially selling the idea to your own mind right so so like that that's a method that you can use to memorize scripture and it's a slow method but it's going to ingrain the text in your mind and it's going to ingrain it in your mind for a purpose Mm. Yeah, do exactly what he said that actually is way better than whatever i suggested (laughs) so that that yeah, don't do that. That sounds great. Um, and come on, that has that has to come from acting. 
that has to be yeah like, an acting yeah well it, it comes from acting and it comes from like learning multiple languages yeah so so like um if you can connect a vocab word with a story right and an emotion that's great but then if you can connect that with problem solving that's even better yeah, like yeah. when I was learning Armenian, I learned phrases that solved problems for me faster. Right. Right. Like like important problems, you know, that I would have to have to like navigate my day. Right. Um. Like. Uh, I don't know. Bread. <laughs> like. Inchu mergini nera ushen yekel. Why did our wine arrive late? Uh, okay right, right, right yes of course yeah. <laughs> like, you know, these are important right no, but yeah so it is part acting experience is part um like linguistics theory experience yeah. no that's yeah. good so all right um, there you go eric Do that. yeah yeah true that um i say we uh, do you have anything else you want to bring up because i kind of want to make this a short one all right know? yeah no, i'm good i'm i'm good if, if that's good? all we got I'm I'm ready. I'm grand. All right. Listen, uh, thanks for sticking with us, cool kids. Um, you can send any questions you may have to uh, coolkidsbiblestudy at gmail.com. It's in the description. If you like the program, it would really help us out if you shared this with your friends. We're growing fastest in Oakland for some reason, which I don't know anyone there, but I love it. <laughs> I do. I know what's do happening you? over there. Yeah. Do you? It's really yeah, I do. Well, hi, Oakland. It's overwhelming. Oak <laughs> but town. yeah, Oakland loves us, which is dope. Go A's. <laughs> um, so yeah, share this with your friends. Give us some, some positive reviews and uh, send us your questions. Until next time, stay cool. We'll see you next week. Peace out.